at 7 p.m. Wednesdays beginning at 5 p.m. is your go-to for programming from powerful black women. WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. Thank you. I'm Wiza Muntali, host of Africa Now, and you're tuned to member-supported WPFW Washington. Welcome to Wake Up and Stay Woke. We're here in remembrance of the one and only Dick Gregory. But first of all, I want to rant a little bit before I go to my guest. You know, despite the orange man threatening to put people in detention camps and, and deport them and identifying Africa, number one, that's the one he mentioned. Just wondering, you know, if we African Americans or we Hispanic Americans are on his list of people who are going to be poisoned in the blood of his country. We don't want to do that, so he just might send us on our way. Well, anyway, Senator Lindsey Graham says, you know, that's just Trump being Trump. But let me tell you something. You better start listening to what this man is saying. And he said he's going to do these things his first day back in the White House if you allow him to go there. But we won't worry too much about that today, not right now anyway, because I've got two of my best friends on with me. My first guest is a good friend from the West Coast. He's up early. Uh, that's um, my brother, Arif Khatib, who is the founder and president of the Multi-Ethnic Sports Hall of Fame. We're going to be talking sports this morning of all kinds. So uh, he's going to tell us about the Hall of Fame and, and, and where it's located. And then, of course, my adopted son, Dr. Christian Gregory, uh, is on. He's the co-founder and chief scientific officer of 3E Energy Drinks. He's here, and uh, he's going to tell us about his company and how it came about. But let's go to my good friend, um, Mr. Khatib. How are you this morning, my brother? Good morning, doctor. How are you? I am blessed, and thank you for getting up so early so that you could be on the program with us. It I want you to tell us a little bit about that um, multi-ethnic Hall of Fame that you've got there <laughs> and where it's located. I know I'm not the first, uh, but I want to wish you a happy birthday. And okay. may you have many, uh, many let's more. See. I think um, it's, it's something that's a little low here. I'm hardly hearing you. Yes, it is on my end as well. Okay. All right, we'll go right ahead. I'm sure our, get, um, our listeners can hear you. So ch tell us a bit about that Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame was established in 1998 with the first ceremony in 2000. And its purpose was to highlight and shine the light on heroes and heroines of color who have heretofore have been overlooked, denied, and many instances ostracized. So we, we, we wanted to fill a void, quite frankly. This void needed to be filled. And, and the Hall of Fame, the African-American Ethnic Sports Hall of Fame at that time was its name. Changed in 2009 to Multi-Ethnic Sports Hall of Fame to include all ethnicities. Changed that, and we're very proud of our progress. Okay. And let's go to you, Christian, for a moment. Just tell us a little bit about 3E Energy Drinks. And uh, I know you know a lot of sports figures who you're working with, too, so that's why you two are on together this morning. <laughs> well, uh, uh, thank you, thank you. I am going to follow my good brother, Arif's lead, and first and foremost, say happy birthday to you, Dr. E. Faye Williams. What a blessing you are to the community. What a blessing you are to us all um, I, your dedication knows no limits, so it's not surprising to me uh, that on the eve of your birthday you were working busily putting another excellent show together. So um, oddly enough, your lead-in said I was going to talk about 3E Energy, but I really want to be here today to talk about you, your activism, and all that you've represented. And I can, I can attest to the fact that you are a true sports fan, so most times I swing by Dr. Williams home, she's either watching the news or she's watching sports. So this is a this is a perfect union of politics and sports. And to thank you, um, Arif, for the work that you're doing. Um, in my being Dick Gregory's son, I've been around a tremendous amount of some of the top athletes. And so often, similar to civil rights and activism, 
we cherry pick the top percent that we acknowledge, not realizing the other 80, 90 percent, the work that they do to allow those outliers to really shine. So kudos to you for taking the time, the energy and the dedication um, to reach and out to those folks and really thank them for what they were doing because they were they were either intentional or accidental activists, but their impact on humanity um, should not go unnoticed. So thank you for that. Well and, said, uh, brother. I think you knew uh, Dick Gregory, did you not? Did I honor Dick Gregory? Yes, I did. I honored Dick uh, in Holland, I believe in 2007 or 2008. But before that, I, I promoted him way back in the day in the 60s at, at various colleges and, and, and other public institutions and when I was doing music at that time. So we came very, very close to him. And just an incredible human being. Always the same. He, he never changed. That's what I like about him. He, he didn't change. He changed with the times, but he didn't change himself. Love it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, and in addition to your work in the Hall of Fame, um, you're a publisher of African American Sports Magazine. How, how did that come about? And, and tell us also... Um, of someone who's in that? You know, uh, in 1998, I was in the music business, and uh, rap was beginning to emerge. I was receiving, I was on the, the record label, and I was receiving rap demos three or four a day. And that told me what that was going to happen, and I didn't want to be part of it. I'm not going to down it, but that's, that, that was not me. My record label had gospel, uh, R&B and reggae and blues. And so I didn't want to go in that direction. So I sold the record label. At that time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. But whatever it was, I wanted to be certainly make contribution to humanity and help young people. So I went off on a two-week sabbatical to Lake Tahoe, sat by the water and watched the ducks and let the spirit tell me where to go. And it took me to where I am today. I realized that in 2000, when I established this Hall of Fame, there were four major Hall of Fames, but many of them did not uh, induct uh, athletes of color, not enough. Since we were 80% of the participants, we were less than 30% of the inductees. So I saw an imbalance there. And so the spirits has changed that. So I established the Hall of Fame to address those issues. And over the years, we have inducted over 350 athletes all over the world, as a matter of fact, in Africa, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, everywhere. We take it to the community because the people in those communities know who they are. We are a nonprofit, by the way, and the only one of the four majors that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. We take it to the community so that they, because the people know them within that community, but never had an opportunity to see them, get up close with them, get their autographs, take photos with them. And, 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 and the athletes could do the same thing. And at the same time, it would enable them to call themselves Hall of Famers because many of them should have been in the Major League Hall of Fame. The one of them I want to speak so much about today is Kurt Flood, who is not in the Hall of Fame. Many athletes of color not in the Hall of Fame and, and, and should be. And, and, and this politics or whatever it is that caused that, and, and I wanted to address it, and I feel very, very good at the fact that we have addressed it adequately over the years. Oh, okay, and we're going to talk about Kurt in just a moment, but uh, first of all, I wanted to uh, tell everybody a little bit more about you. You're, the, you're an author also of uh, In the Shadow of Obscurity. I really enjoyed watching that, so tell us a little bit more about that. Well, the newest book is called uh, Remember This Sacrifice which came out about six months ago by Roman and Littlefield. Uh, as I indicated, in the shadow of obscurity, toiling in a, a reluctant society, was, a, was the first, not the first, but it was a book from, uh, uh, from the Hall of Fame uh, addressing uh, the inequities of, of people of color in sports. And, 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 and so from that, the book did very, that book did very well. Uh, what I'm maybe just most proud of that one is that I helped an African-American woman establish a publishing company specifically to publish my book. Since then, she has published four or five other books, and I brought on a couple of mentors for her. So that, that was the reason for that. And then the Roman Littlefield picked up that book and then put another one out called Remember Their Sacrifice, which has really done well now. It's in a number of schools and universities, more like a textbook. 
And it addresses the, again, it's the same as before, uh, the, the <coughs> basically this particular book uh, speaking of right now uh, and, and the one before would be, would, would be uh, about uh, the journey and the struggles and, uh, and the achievements of a special group of unheralded athletes, uh, principally of color. And, uh, and I, I wanted people to learn about a handful of brave trailblazers, men and women, uh, whose skills uh, contributed to an array of individual and team sports, track and field, golf, diving, basketball, football, baseball, martial arts. And we, I, I tell people all the time when, when I do my presentations, any sport that we would allow to participate in, we dominate. But but, but no one no one really know really, really talks about uh, even know about that. Black and brown athletes uh, uh, in in America, as I view it, uh, black and brown athletes became an asset. But you generally only doing the Olympics and other high profile sporting events uh, that benefited the United States. But they generally happen during the Olympics. And, and okay, some we're today, even having existential feel the existential threat to America, because they look at uh, them just as generally black people and hold the athletes in the most extreme position. But sports changes people. It brings. Greetings. This is Katia Stitt, program director. WPFW is heartened to be the media partner for a night of community intersectional solidarity and support for Gaza. This Thursday, December 21st, 8 until 10 p.m. at Bloom Bars, 3222 11th Street, Northwest DC. The evening will include readings by Palestinian poet and activist Farah Barkawi, queer Tamil poet and performing artist Gauri Koniswaran, and Palestinian activist and storyteller Fifi Saba with musical performances by Sitali, Zambian singer, songwriter, and guitarist, and Huda Asfor, Palestinian oud and kanun player and composer. I'll be co-hosting the event as we send love to Gaza. Again, this Thursday, December 21st, 8 until 10 p.m. at Bloom Bars, where we all bloom. Tickets and info at bloombars.com. WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. Stay woke. I'm Stay Williams here with the one and only Dick Gregory program. We're in, uh, honoring him every day that we're on and every day that we're in the community because we know all the things he did to make so many people happy in this country and uh, to, to get up and do what they uh, want to do and not be afraid. He always taught us that fear and God do not occupy the same space. And I live by that. And what about you, uh, uh, Christian? Uh, is that something you ever heard your dad say, fear and God do not occupy the same space? Absolutely, um, um, Faye. And you may realize this, and Arif, you may realize it as well. Um, uh, uh, Faye and Arif, I'm having a very difficult time hearing both of you. I know that it's been confirmed from the control booth that everyone's hearing us just fine, but I just mm -hmm. want to point out if there's not a natural transition or if I don't answer your question fully, please forgive me. But yes, right. uh, Faye, could you say that one more time what you asked about my dad? Problem at hearing. Okay. All right. Uh, well, if you're not hearing me now, let me go back to Arif. I think as we went to break, um, you had started to uh, talk about that photo of John Carlos and Tommy Smith. Uh, tell us about that occasion. And, and by the way, I was in Mexico City at the Olympics at the time and on that occasion. John here, and, and Tommy are good friends of mine and have been since that occasion. I met them at the airport when they were sent back to San Francisco. And uh, at that time, there were four, four people. Uh, to meet them at the airport. Uh, one was a journalist uh, and myself and a couple of other people. These were extraordinary human beings who made uh, a, an incredible uh, sacrifice for the benefit and the betterment of American sports and American society in that, in that regard. Both of these gentlemen 
are featured in my in my educational documentary called Because They Believed. This is a documentary about minority athletes, trailblazers, athletic trailblazers um, who broke through the racial divide. And I asked them to tell in their own stories, <clears throat> in their own words, rather, how prejudice affected them and how they dealt with it in the film. And, uh, and, and there are interviews in there with Dr. John Collins and uh, Dusty Baker and R.C. Owens and Billy Mills, whom everybody should pull up on, the, on, on Google, Billy Mills track and film. Uh, Dr. Herbert Carnegie, a Canadian hockey player, and Rosie Barnes, a track and field. Uh, Dr. Tyune Kim from martial arts, and uh, Mal Whitfield, the great track and field uh, uh, person and diplomat for, the, for African sports, and Bill Wright, a pioneer in, in golf, uh, uh, Yushihiro Yuchida, uh, who introduced judo. Uh, to a Japanese person okay. to do judo right. to the Olympics. Uh, well, I'll hang up the other phone, right? The landline. And Dr. Harry Edwards, uh, a sociologist from UC Berkeley. <coughs> Each of these persons speaks uh, to the uh, challenges that they had, the, uh, the, the prejudice that they face, the racism that they face, and how they overcame. And then that, that, that to me was, was enough for the film, and it was to teach our young people how to overcome their fears, how to overcome racism in America. It is there, it is here, it's been there. And how to address it. So the film is, is due out on February the 2nd uh, by um, freestyle digital uh, digital media TV, so they'll have it on the television. We're going to have it in the theaters, but it'll be out February the second worldwide uh, because they believed. You can get the, you can see the trailer by going to www.becausetheybelieve.com. The trailer there and okay. information on the film. Yeah, would you give that again, Aaron? www.becausetheybelieved.com. Okay. Now tell us a little bit about uh, John Carlos and Tommy Smith. I know all these sports guys now have doctor degrees, but what, what are they doing now, John Carlos and Tommy Smith? They're doing very well, my friend. John, especially, uh, Carlos is, uh, uh, I mean, Tommy is, is, is experiencing some health issues and challenges as we speak, but uh, he's okay. <laughs> Uh, Dr. Collis has gone through his issues of, of, of uh, aging and, and, and health challenges, but he's back out on the road. He just came back from Africa. He had speaking mm -hmm. engagements all everywhere. He was out here in Los Angeles last month. He'll be here with me next month. Uh, so he's all over the place, and, they're, and he's teaching, they're teaching the, they're telling the story. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I remember uh, seeing all of them in uh, <laughs> Mexico City. Haven't really seen them since then, but I kind of keep up oh, with them God. in the news sometimes. Uh, that was really a special day in uh, Mexico Mexico City uh, mm -hmm. when they, you know, did that. What do you call it? The power salute, right? The power <laughs> salute. The fist. <laughs> mm, the, the fist. fist. Okay. You should have, you should have, all right. You should, have, you should have both on your show, and I can set that up for you. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. oh, that'd be beautiful. Yeah. Well, what about uh, Dr. Edwards? Um, where, where is he now? Who? Dr. Edwards. Dr. Edwards is uh, about half an hour from here where I live. Uh, he has gone public with the fact that he has uh, uh, bone cancer. And so mm -hmm. I'm not saying something that people don't already know. He's given many interviews mm -hmm. on it mm -hmm. uh, nationally. Mm -hmm. And they've given him five years to live. He's fighting it. He's doing very well. I, I, we chatted on his birthday a, a couple of months ago. And his spirits are high. <clears throat> he, he, he says, I'm slowing down. And I can understand that. But uh, he, 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 he does the last 10 minutes of my film. And that was by design. So he could wrap mm -hmm. up everything that all of these other athletes have said. He did mm -hmm. an incredible, incredible job mm -hmm. of wrapping up the film at the end. He's the last on the film. 
Uh, yeah. Most of these persons, by the way, in the film were filmed in 2009, 2010, 2011. And only mm-hmm. three on the three in 2018 because during that time we 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 in a sabbatical kind of a stuff and and brought it back uh so he's in that film and and and, and when they see the film mm-hmm. they'll, they'll hear what i'm talking about he did an absolutely incredible job of wrapping it up and telling the story mm-hmm. well you know um doctor um well christian <laughs> i started to say dr gregory which, <laughs> I, which I sometimes say but let's just say christian um you know your dad was a, a sports person too uh when he was in college i know uh Grand what track. what was his tell us a little bit about his successes in sports and when i talk with people they tell me about him and what they what he influenced them to do so tell us a little bit about your dad i mean as many of people know my dad was a he was a world-class runner i mean long before he ran from los angeles california to new york city running on Mm -hmm. average of 25 to 50 miles a day he proved Mm -hmm. himself as a runner in sumner high school in st louis missouri then segregated uh, jim crow Mm -hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. he realized that running was a way and athleticism was a way for him to kind of, um, um, similar to what happened in Mexico City, show the, not the world, but the local community, community ultimately the world, um, about equality and about diversity, mm-hmm. promoting diversity and inclusion through athletics. Mm-hmm. But he understood it had a much deeper and farther impact than athletics. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, and my dad, as you know, was a, as he transitioned and focused on health and well-being, he encouraged people mm-hmm. to move regularly. He understood mm-hmm. once you stop walking, you start dying. And exercise was a major part, a cornerstone of his teaching as a master teacher. So, um, Faye, you know, we would all go out and walk together uh, for quite some time. He was difficult to keep up with. He kept quite mm-hmm. a tempo. So, uh, and I think it's important, um, Arif, what you're sharing with us. I look forward to seeing the documentary on February 2nd. It sounds exceptional. But you mentioned 1998, you formed your organization. 2000 was the first ceremony. Is this, yeah. are, or do you have annual ceremonies and how can we support the work that you're doing? We have annual ceremonies until during the pandemic, of course. And the next one is February the 24th here in Oakland. At that time, we'll induct five athletes. Uh, and I'm introducing the inaugural Kurt Flood Platinum Award uh, at that ceremony. Uh, and of course, that because Kurt made the supreme and courageous sacrifice for all the athletes today. And I can never forget that because he's my friend and I promise to keep his legacy alive and do everything wow. I can to get him in the Hall of Fame because he deserves to be there. Uh, so we do these annually. And as I indicated before, we're moving around the country. This will be the 23rd in Oakland, but we've done 64 total. Uh, so when hmm. you we're moving around the United States and outside of the United States. Uh, so wow. so we, 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 we don't have a, a, brick, a, a brick and mortar building. We do the stuff digitally because we do move it around. Okay. Um, at one point, in 2008 or 2009, I believe it was, before the, the, the down on the recession, Philadelphia, <clears throat> Los Angeles, Detroit, and Oakland were vying to uh, fighting to have this this museum in their city. And then the, 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 when the money went away, uh, it never came back uh, in, the, in, in our regards. Let me put it that way. So... Uh, we decided to say, hey, it's not about brick and mortar. This is about honoring people. So let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's honor them. And that, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Chris, you know, your dad had a lot of sports friends. Um, toward the end, he wasn't really running so much. He was walking a lot. And that's when I enjoyed walking with him. I, even when he was walking, it was like he was running to me. I had to <laughs> run to keep up with him. But he actually began walking, and and it decided that walking was better uh, than you know jogging or running on the concrete. Uh, and uh, so that's what we did. I I had gotten up to five miles, but I didn't get to twenty five or so like he <laughs> did. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. For those of you who want to know more about uh, Dick Gregory, of course, you can always go to uh, that website, which is the Dick Gregory Society dot org the dick gregory society dot org 
But let's go back to um, <clears throat> to you, uh, Eric. Um, you know, there are a lot of sports, famous sports people who came through Oakland. Um, I have, of course, a friend who played with the Oakland Raiders, uh, Henry Lawrence. You'll probably remember him. And if so, what do you Killer. remember about him? Killer is a good, a good friend of mine. I spoke to him a couple of months ago. But he's a, uh-huh. he, Killer, Killer is, a, is a beautiful brother. I was an outstanding and incredible football player, but he's a better person. Uh, but as you indicate, the, the, the Bay Area uh, has more Hall of Fame caliber athletes than any comparable region in America. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I hope that we don't, I hope that we have time to talk about one, Kirk Flood, because it's just. Yeah, we're going to get to him in a few. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's centrally. The things that happened today because of Kurt Flood, and so we definitely mm-hmm. want to go over there. We definitely want to go over there. But but uh, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely not just Oakland. You had Bill Russell, Frank Robinson, Veda Pinson, uh, Kurt Flood. Oh my God, John Brody. You know, a lot of great white players came out of Oakland. Oakland is mm-hmm. a hotbed for the production of athletes of mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame caliber for many 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 years. Continue to mm-hmm. do so right now. Uh, Roshan, Lynch, <coughs> Gary Payton. There's just so, mm-hmm. so, so uh, Layla playing with the Bucks right now. So many of them. And after the break, after the break, Eric, we're going to talk about some of those, um, you know, historic players who paved the way for some others. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Kurt, Kurt Flood, of course. Um, Terrific. You know, and, and the things that he did to make life better because many of the things he fought for came to pass um, after he was no longer uh, playing. But we're going to be taking a break in just a few moments. So I don't want to go to Kurt Flood yet. Let me okay. um, just do a small announcement here that I always make for Gourmet Angel Food Bank in uh, Virginia. They're closed until January 5th. And they want to wish you a very happy holiday season. As you know, they give out free food to people in need on Friday. But they're not open this Friday. They'll be back open January 5th. And it, it's so wonderful when people take their time to volunteer and to make life better for others. And that's one of the things we are going to be talking about when we come back from the break. Um, all the things that many sports figures, <clears throat> many of whom you may never have heard of their names, but that's the way it is in life. Many people who are making our community better, they don't get the attention that they should. They don't get the, the thank yous that they should. So we need to learn to do that. When we see somebody, uh, we know somebody, and we know they've done some great things, that's great sacrifice, we need to at least stop for a moment and say thank you to those people. And those are the kinds of people we're going to be talking about when we um, come back from the break. But um, I want to um, name some of the people, Eric, that I want you to think about that we're going to talk about when we come back. And all of them were trailblazers in some way. Um, and I want you to know there's some women in the group, too. Um, time. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, well, we're going to take a little break right now. And, of course, you know who some of the people are. But when we come back first, we'll talk about Kurt Flood. We'll be right back. You're listening to Wake Up and Stay Woke. And my guest is Eric Khatib and Dr. Christian Gregory. Peace. I'm DJ Underdog, inviting you to join me on Black Star Radio Mondays, 10 p.m. to midnight, beginning April 19th. We share the hottest sounds out of Africa from all corners of the motherland and bring you the sound of the African underground to D.C. and all points in between. Together, we'll explore African genres from Ama Piano, Gange, Kupe de Calle, Zouk, Lingala, Ethiopian hits, Sukus, Nigerian hits, Egyptian hits, and Afro beats. The destination is Africa, Africa. and the mission is oneness. Journey with us Mondays at 10 p.m. right here on WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. Peace. The best in live music entertainment is coming to Bethesda Theater. Peebo Bryson, the legendary voice of love for two big shows on Friday, January 26th at 8.30 p.m. and Saturday, January 27th at 8 p.m. 
celebrate legend Bob Marley at the annual One Love Birthday Bash featuring popular reggae band I and I Rhythm on Saturday, February 3rd at 8 p.m. Celebrate more love at the Quiet Storm Valentine Celebration featuring live performances of classic love songs on Saturday, February 10th at 8 p.m. Peebo Bryson on January 26th and 27th. Bob Marley, the birthday bash on February 3rd and Quiet Storm Valentine Celebration on February 10th. More info and tickets at BethesdaTheater.com. WPFW is a proud media partner with Bethesda Theater. The Secure D.C. Crime Bill is likely to be passed by D.C. City Council on January 23rd. Legislation that will allow police to detain and identify people for fare evasion, stop people from mask wearing if they believe they're quote-unquote suspicious, create quote-unquote drug-free zones that make gathering in certain areas illegal for up to five days and make possible more impunity for police. Join PACA, Pan-African Community Action, on Wednesday, January 24th for the Asada Secor Study Group Session, the D.C. Crime Bill, and the War on Chocolate City, where we will unpack the implications of this crime bill and discuss how community control is the democratic path to adequate solutions for addressing the root causes that lead to crime, poverty, addiction, food insecurity, inadequate housing, and capitalist exploitation. That's the D.C. Crime Bill and the War on Chocolate City, Wednesday, January 24th, from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Black Workers and Wellness Center. 2500 Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue, Southeast D.C. There is an online option. To find out more, go online to pacapower.org slash events. WPFW is your station for jazz and justice, building a better world one broadcast at a time. Uh, we have two guests today. We have Mr. Eris Khatib, who is the founder and president emeritus of the Multi-Ethnic Sports Hall of Fame. He's located in Oakland, California. He's also an entrepreneur, an author, a stone producer, uh, works on business, uh, education, political entertainment, community consultant, works with young people. I mean, he does everything that all of us wish we had time to do. So I want to say thank you to you, uh, Eris, for all of the work that you do in your community. Uh, I know that you're a visionary and you uh, look at honors maybe that people should have gotten and didn't. Today, I especially want to talk about Kurt Flood uh, and his Hall of Fame exclusion. I know that he had all kinds of uh, plaudits that were owed to him. Uh, he was a great hitter. He was a three-time All-Star. He was a Golden Glover. He was uh, whatever. So you tell us about Kurt Flood. And I want to finish though what you just said that he is not in the major league hall. I'm sorry. I said I want to make sure that he, everyone knows that all these accolades that you just mentioned, Kurt Flood is not in the, mm -hmm. in the Hall of Fame, and we must we must correct that. Kurt, mm -hmm. as I indicated before, was uh, became a good friend of mine. Uh, he passed in 1997. We met in 19 during the uh, 1980s. And I met with him on a regular basis. About once a week, we would have cocktails and talk, and he'd like to, he said he'd like to talk to me. And so we would meet, and I'd pick him up, I'd meet him wherever. And we would talk about this. And I had an opportunity to really get to know Kurt <clears throat> and why he made the supreme sacrifice that he did. He was a brilliant man. He was an activist. Uh, he was dedicated. He, he wanted to be certain that he made the world a better place for all. And so consequently, he sacrificed his career in 1970. He was traded from the St. Louis Cardinals to the Philadelphia Phillies, and he refused to go because he said, I'm not a piece of meat that you can trade and own. I'm not a slave. And they threatened him at that time that you will be barred from playing baseball if you don't go. He said, well, so be it. And he took the stand. He took it all the way to the Supreme Court, lost the first round, went back to the second round with another group, and they won. Thus, free agency was created. And I think a lot of people need to know what free agency really means. Because it's around you every day, and you don't pay attention to it. But Kurt Flood 
uh, these folks who are receiving athletes who are receiving these big, big paychecks today should get on their knees every time they cash it <laughs> and thank Kirk Flood. We just recently had, uh, within the last two weeks, a baseball player is going to make $700 million. He has a $700 mm-hmm. million dollar contract. Mm-hmm. And that, mean, that means that uh, that uh, the sport has now, Kurt Flood has now impacted international sports because this person is, is from Japan. And so consequently, if it were not for Kurt, how much money would this gentleman be making? Would, but more, more importantly, <laughs> it removes the slave, uh, being, being enslaved from the, uh, from, from the, the situation because now athletes can go from one team to another uninterrupted. Essentially saying that I want to play for this team and you can't stop me. And generally, they get their wish. I can mm. cite certain things right now, but I don't want to put any names out there. There are people right now who says I want to want to play with such and such a team, and uh-huh. they were able to go and play for that team. If it were not uh-huh. for Kurt Flood, they would not have that choice. That's right. And you know, he was very disrespected. I think when he was told he had to go to um, Philadelphia to play. Um, yeah. he, I understand that he heard about it from a reporter and maybe some lower level um, managers or people uh, with the club, uh, but the general manager did not come to him to tell him that they were planning to um, trade him. And of course, he didn't want to move his family at that time. He'd been playing, uh, you know, where he was playing and he was happy there. But probably if he had had an opportunity to choose a team uh, that wanted to consider him, that would have, uh, you know, made him happy. But in terms of um, the, the, the Kurt Flood, there's actually a Kurt Flood Act now. Uh, what does that act do? Uh, and how does it help other players? As I indicated previously, players now can, can determine who, what team they want to play with. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if, if they choose that, if they choose that team, and that team chooses them, they now mm-hmm. they now can can negotiate an unlimited contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, unlimited. How, how how can it go? Who knows? Who would have thought seven hundred million dollars would be one of the contracts? And it is. The according to ESPN report. The average athlete, professional athletes, impacted in the four sports that Kurt has done, that's baseball, basketball, football, and hockey, uh, their salary is $14 million a year. Obviously, there are some only making a million and a half, but there are some that's mm-hmm. making $700 million too. $250 mm-hmm. million, $300 million, $400 million. So it averages out to about $14 million a year. That's because of the sacrifice, courageous sacrifice, by the way, that Kirk made for, wow. for, for his career. He knew that he was not going to play baseball again. And I asked him, right. I asked him, I said, Kirk, how, how, what are you doing, man? I mean, you're giving up your career. He says, that's not for me. It is about the athletes to come after me. Wow. That's right. Us, that's exactly us, it. How many of us can make that, make that kind of a statement? Exactly. To sacrifice mm-hmm. for others, and 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 he had to he had to, it drove him to alcohol. Obviously, not obviously, but it did. It drove him out of the country of Spain. He was a great artist. He went mm-hmm. on made money selling his art in Spain. That's what kept him alive, and then financially. Uh, but he he was a happy person because he he saw the change that was happening in professional sports. And they're not just in baseball because it, impact, it impacted all of the sports that I just mentioned a little while ago. As you say, he batted 300 for six years mm-hmm. in the Major League. He was a three-time yeah. All-Star. Yes. I think it was a gold, it was a gold glove winner yeah. for about seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he played for a total of 12 years. I used to, I used to watch him when he came to San Francisco. He played center field. Willie Mays was a center fielder. When the Cardinals played the Giants, it was always between Kirk Flood and, 
and Willie Mays. Who had the best center field day that day? Because they were both outstanding defensive players and great batters. Mm -hmm. So there was a history there that that, uh, Kurt established. uh, And we must do something about it today and get him in the Hall of Fame. Well, you know, and the tragedy is that uh, even though he was, they called it black ball, I guess, and, you know, from baseball, yeah. so that he never played again. I'll just be willing to bet that there's so many, not just young, but semi-older players who don't know how they got many of the benefits they got today. And with this book banning that's going on, uh, they probably will never learn about it unless we can uh, try to give them some information. Where, where where can people go to find out more about uh, some of these wonderful athletes and what they did? Because, <coughs> uh, you know, I've heard many of them complain about the, the older guys, uh, how little they were paid and the kinds of things they had to do, and yet many people don't even know their names. But you, you talked about all these multi-million dollar contracts uh, that they have now. I remember Congress did something uh, trying to help to get uh, Kurt Flood uh, recognized. Do you remember what that was, what they did? Yeah, his daughter Shelly has been a has been a diehard in that regard. Uh, mm-hmm. She has she she she's just been tenacious uh, over the past several years, and I mm-hmm. and I thank her and I thank her for that. But to answer your question a few months ago, how people where people can go to find out more, they can go to our website. At, okay, uh, right and give that out again. It is. It's another website. Uh, it's just the one about these guys here. The other one was about the film. This one is about the Hall of Fame, which is www.multiethnicsportshof.com. I'll say that again. Okay. W- W multi ethnic sports dot com. Over there, you can get information about the ceremony that we have coming up in uh, February the twenty fourth. And also, there's a list of past inductees. And you go down that list, and you will see names that you said, "Oh my God, they're in that Hall of Fame." Oh my God, this person in that Hall of Fame. Men and women. Many mm-hmm. people don't have forgotten. And that and, and I wanna say this that almost every ceremony someone becomes emotional and say thank you because I I thought people had forgotten about me. Wow. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and and you can you can't imagine what happens and they, they, they start patting their eyes and so forth. Uh, so I understand the impact that it has upon them. I understand the importance that it is to them. So mm-hmm. consequently, the, the the if you want to do the work, you have to do the work. Mm-hmm. They can go okay. they can go and look at the list of our past inductees, pull up the one of your choosing, and and check them out on Google or whatever your search engine you use. You'll you'll see that these folks these folks were not uh, just athletes; they were outstanding athletes world-class athletes and then you can read about the struggles that they had that they were Mm african-american or people of color okay and and eric before we go i i i also want to talk about some of the other uh athletic trailblazers uh but before i go to it um christian you know nobody would ever forget your dad because we're always reminding him and he left such a you know legacy here that nobody would forget him but there are a few things that they may not know about him i know that you put together a book what's the name of that book um for your dad and so yes uh, as, as you know my dad had 16 books the book that we released last year the essential dick gregory um i simply my job was easy i simply edited down the audio transcript so it's my dad in his own voice um, telling this story in the story of entertainers segueing into activism and athletes segueing into athlete, um, 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 activism is very similar. That line of using that celebrity and platform. And uh, being here today, I've been taking copious notes, Arif. It's like uh, uh, you're a sports historian, a walking encyclopedia, and it is just, it's, it's exciting to hear all that you're doing to acknowledge these folks. My dad would so frequently say that it's a shame how many folks have never really had the opportunity for people to understand their sacrifice. And it's not just about a certificate 
to hang on your wall. It's about knowing that none of us are here forever. So knowing that when we're gone somewhere, someone has taken note of the sacrifice that was made. Um, um, you never know how far reaching something you do or say today will be tomorrow. Um, and Kurt Flood may have realized it, but to do something back in 1970 and now in 2023 have free agencies um, agreements that are to the number amount that you just referenced the Japanese baseball player just signed. And I'm sure the sky's the limit. It'll go north of that. We know these franchises make enough money to pay these players what they're worth. But had it not been for Kurt Flood, it seems like there'd be a small percentage of all these folks' checks that they would, their, 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 their salaries that they would donate to some form of Kurt Flood organization. But um, thank you for all that, that you were doing. It's very similar uh, in a different way to uh, uh, Dr. Williams, what you've dedicated yourself. My dad would always say information is power. Good information is good power. Bad information is bad power. And this has been phenomenal mm -hmm. information here on today's show. Mm -hmm. Okay, then let's, uh, we're almost out of time. I don't want to go to, to a few other athletes that people may not know, uh, but they were trailblazers. Uh, tell us a little bit about Billy Mills. Billy Mills was the second Native American to win a gold medal for the United States in the Olympics in 1964. The first uh, in 1912 was Jim Thorpe, and by the way, I'm speaking with a, a group in Maryland right now about doing the Jim Thorpe story. Uh, and we're going to called Thorpe. And we're going to do that. Uh, but the Billy Mills story is so compelling that it'll bring tears to your eyes if you have to listen to the whole thing. I did 38-minute interview with him in his home. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. Uh, his story. Uh, it's so compelling because when he ran for, for the Olympics in 1964 in Tokyo, the United mm -hmm. States wouldn't, wouldn't give him shoes because they said the shoes were for the winner. And he told mm. them he was going to win. And they said, sure, sure, next in line. So you had to go over to Adidas. And they provided the European athletes with their shoes and told them the story. And they said, ah, oh, come on, what size? They gave him shoes. So the shoes he won was not provided by the United States, but by Europe. Wow. And he won that, that, and when the press was running up to him saying, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> You'd have to hear his story coming <laughs> from the reservation and the loss of his mom and the losing of his dad. And while he was an All-American at the University of Kansas, considering taking his own life because of the way he was treated as a Native American, mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. you'd, have, you'd, have, you'd have to see it. Some of that is in the film. Some of it is not. I still have on film. But Billy mm -hmm. Mills, uh, Billy Mills, uh, they did this story in 1984 called Running Brave. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I said, so Billy Mills is a person that every, everyone should, should, should be aware of uh, as, as a Native American. Now, here's something that's very important. I'm really happy about it, and so is he. Before 1964, the United States had never won the 10,000-meter gold medal. Mm -hmm. You know they have not won it since? Wow. Now, if it were not for a Native American and, and the Olympics as America's baby, if it were not for Billy Mills, be shut out in the 10,000 meters. How often do you hear that when they run the Olympics? <laughs> yeah. Paris this summer. Let's watch and see what they say. What kind of tribute? I'm going to ask Billy. Do they? Are they bringing him over there? It's about time. <laughs> now we're in the 21st century now, folks. It is now time well, to give recognition where it belongs and with those who deserve it. No one yeah, well, deserves it more at the Olympics than Billy Mills. Yeah. Well, you you know if uh, if those books weren't banned, I'm I'm just wondering if anything about Billy would be in them. You know, it's been Florida and other places. But let's see if we can cover a few more. Then thanks. Thank you for telling us about uh, Billy Mills. Even I didn't know that he was Native American. Um, but let's go to the first black hockey uh, player. You know, we don't look at too much hockey, but we do have, uh, 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 you know, the first black hockey player who was a star. And who is that? Willie O'Reilly. Mm -hmm. Willie O'Reilly. Yes. Uh, San Diego. We live in San Diego uh -huh. now. Willie uh -huh. O'Reilly was the first to win... To, to play for the National Hockey League. 
The mm-hmm. National Hockey League has been a racist organization for many, many years. They mm-hmm. were finally able to break through in 1958. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the second one is Bill Riley. Uh, I talked to Bill maybe once, once or twice a month mm-hmm. right now. He's in Nova Scotia. Bill mm-hmm. was the first to pay for the Washington Capitals. And I think it's notable right now that the capital, uh, uh, Washington Capitals have a minority partial ownership, as you probably mm-hmm. may be aware, if not, then, then, then it is. And that has yeah. reverberated into an area where uh, her niece in Toronto, whom I've spoken to, is now passing the the baton in the other areas. <clears throat> so hockey can become more integrated, if you will, and, 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 and black folks, and respecting the black folks. Herbert Carnegie <laughs> is a name mm-hmm. who is not in the National Hockey League, but when, 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 when he played hockey in Canada, and by the way, I inducted him in New York, at the same night that I honored Dick Gregory. <laughs> ah, uh-huh. Wow. Thank you. So, so, so he, he uh, because he was black, uh, but he was a smart man. Dr. Carnegie let it go. Mm-hmm. He let it go. They offered him a tryout with the Capitals, Washington Capitals when he was 38 years old. <laughs> Okay, and and I want to get to a few more. You just mentioned them, but people can go to your site and and hear more about it. By the way, I did know uh, Willie O'Ree, his wife and I were friends when I lived in California. But um, uh, the, let's go to a woman in martial arts, um, Dr. Tae Young Kim. Um, what uh, what did she do? Dr. Kim uh, is a remarkable <laughs> woman. She's the first and only woman grandmaster of martial arts. Mm-hmm. From South Korea, she's gained such notable attention that when she goes to South Korea, she has a police escort from the airport. Mm-hmm. She meets with the president on a regular basis. I spoke with her last week, uh, and she's been she had had a fall and she was mm-hmm. down for a while. But and she's up and about I right love now. her she response did. to all of the racism she faced. She said, whenever someone said something mean about her. She would just smile at them and say, uh, thank you, and you too. <laughs> and he, something and here's a effect. woman who cleaned, cleaned hotel rooms in New York mm-hmm. and is mm-hmm. now a multimillionaire because mm-hmm. she's brilliant. She's a visionary. Mm-hmm. She started a computer firm. She, she has a staff of about 220 people. And mm-hmm. she does, she, she, she gives, but she gives back. She has a foundation, mm-hmm. Dr. Kayun Kim Foundation. She gives back. Yeah. She, she supports the veterans. She has been such a staunch supporter of veterans over the years. She has mm-hmm. a, she has a drug mm-hmm. program. She has a martial arts program. She she's a giver. She's mm-hmm. a giver. She gives gives and Bill, gives. I, and, 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 I, and she. I, I, we're ahead. about out of time. Uh, we're going to have to have you come back, um, uh, Eris, and talk some more about some of these people. You know, uh, I, I want to just talk about some of the things that people face. Billy Mills, for example, said that he wouldn't be served. Sometimes he wouldn't uh, be able to live in a hotel. He was just unaware of racism until he faced it, you know, in his sport. And he was just off the reservation. So that must have been an awful feeling uh, for him as if, the, you know, the, the reservation was better than America was to him at the time. Uh, let me just ask you about a few people. And all we have time for maybe is a yes or no. Did you know uh, Al McBean uh, from the... Al McBean, yeah, was a baseball pitcher, left-handed baseball pitcher, Baltimore Yes, yes, he was called the fireman, if you remember. He was a great uh, yeah. uh, closer of games. Uh, yeah. What about Rosie Greer? Rosie Greer. Rosie Greer was an offensive lineman with the Los Angeles Rams, an incredible, yes. incredible, incredible football player. He was a good, good friend. He used to come and help me cut my grass. David Jones, Deacon Jones. <laughs> Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones. Big Deacon Jones. Deacon okay. Jones. All right. Well, I wish we had more time. You know, we one don't, thing, those, I, I want to add sorry? something, if you don't want to right quick. And that is regard what you said about before, about not knowing who Kurt Flood is. You're absolutely correct. Players today mm-hmm. don't know who he is. And that's why I'm establishing the Kurt Flood Platinum Award, to give that to the, to the athletes who made supreme sacrifices and made money mm-hmm. off of Kurt and his family and his and- community. And they need to know 
They also need to know that there is a and and, and we do have to go, yeah. Eric. We I'm running yes. over to, into somebody else's time. Thank you so much. We'll have you oh, come again. And thank show. you, Dr. Gregory, too. Okay. Happy have birthday, Faye. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. Thank you, Irene. And, we thank love you, you and thank you for all the calls I've gotten from all the friends and everybody. Uh, this is going to be a wonderful birthday. It's starting off great. Thank you. Uh, love your, you. Your love. You are love. Right. Peace holidays, and blessings. Everyone. And happy holidays, everyone. To stay safe. Uh, Dr. Gregor, right. please be in touch with me. Okay. Thank sure. you. Thank you. All right, thank listeners, you. you know I love you. Happy holidays, too. Thank you very much. The Secure D.C. Crime Bill is likely to be passed by D.C. City Council on January 23rd, legislation that will allow police to detain and identify people for fare evasion, stop people from mask wearing if they believe they're quote-unquote suspicious, create quote-unquote drug-free zones that make gathering in certain areas illegal for up to five days, and make possible more impunity for police. Join PACA, Pan-African Community Action, on Wednesday, January 24th for the Asada Secor Study Group session, The D.C. Crime Bill and the War on Chocolate City, where we will unpack the implications of this crime bill and discuss how community control is the democratic path to adequate solutions for addressing the root causes that lead to crime, poverty, addiction, food insecurity, inadequate housing, and capitalist exploitation. That's the D.C. Crime Bill and the War on Chocolate City, Wednesday, January 24th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Black Workers and Wellness Center. 2500 Martin Luther King Jr. Avenue, Southeast D.C. There is an online option. To find out more, go online to pacapower.org slash events. WPFW is your station for jazz and justice, building a better world one broadcast at a time. The best in live music entertainment is coming to Bethesda Theater. Peebo Bryson, the legendary voice of love, for two big shows on Friday, January 26th at 8.30 p.m. and Saturday, January 27th at 8 p.m. Celebrate legend Bob Marley at the annual One Love Birthday Bash featuring popular reggae band I&I Rhythm on Saturday, February 3rd at 8 p.m. Celebrate more love at the Quiet Storm Valentine Celebration featuring live performances of classic love songs on Saturday, February 10th at 8 p.m. Peebo Bryson on January 26th and 27th. Bob Marley, the birthday bash on February 3rd and Quiet Storm Valentine Celebration on February 10th. More info and tickets at BethesdaTheater.com. WPFW is a proud media partner with Bethesda Theater. Peace. I'm DJ Underdog, inviting you to join me on Black Star Radio Mondays, 10 p.m. to midnight, beginning April 19th. We share the hottest sounds out of Africa from all corners of the motherland and bring you the sound of the African underground to D.C. and all points in between. Together, we'll explore African genres from Ama Piano, Gange, Coupe de Calle, Zouk, Lingala, Ethiopian hits, Sukus, Nigerian hits, Egyptian hits, and Afro beats. The destination is Africa, Africa. and the mission is oneness. Journey with us Mondays at 10 p.m. right here on WPFW, building a better world, one broadcast at a time. Peace. is the original Women's Radio Collective. Wednesdays from 3 to 5 p.m., the best music divas on radio at 89.3 FM and sophiesparlor.blogspot.com. Hello, this is Margaret Kimberly. I'm producer and host of Black Agenda Radio. I'm delighted to announce that beginning November 29th, 
Our show will air Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Between shows produced by two other revolutionary black women, Human Rights and Justice, hosted by Inkichi Taifa at 5 p.m., and Konbit Lakai, hosted by Eugenia Charles at 7 p.m. Wednesdays beginning at 5 p.m. is your go-to for programming from powerful black women. WPFW, building a better world 